0: I believe that God has got a word for us today. I'm proud of you, church. Uh, We've been doing a great work on these Sunday mornings with some challenging principles around the idea of our money and giving and wealth building. And uh, there's been a progression of messages uh, that have kind of been laid out over the last month and a half uh, with really two key principles that we've kind of highlighted every single week. The first is this, that it is all about the heart. I want you to put your hand on the heart, all right? Everybody do this, and say this with me. It's all about the heart. The second thing we've been saying, that it, it's not about money, uh, and it's all God's, that we are managers, that we are, uh, we are not owners, we are uh, stewards of what God gives us. Now, I want to do a little review. I know we've got some guests with us, some first-timers, uh, some people from out of town, and uh, we've been dealing with a selfish heart throughout this a whole series. Uh, We talked about tithing, that every time you get an increase, there's a test, and our first fruits should go to the Lord. And uh, we also talked about breaking the spirit of mammon, and we took two weeks on that. And then last week, we talked about generosity, giving more than what is expected or what's necessary. And I'll tell you, I left uh, from out of town Uh, for out of town right after we preach this message and uh, Jessica and I we tried to look for ways this this past week to be generous I hope that you've done the same as well and uh, we're trying to glean from God's word uh, during this series uh, living by his standard and by the way God lives by his rules as well and, uh, and so, when he says that if we give, he'll give back to us, we can understand that and we can take him at his word. I really like something that Dave Williams said. He said that Satan does not want you to get this when he was talking about money and about prosperity. And you say, well, why is that? Why would Satan not want people that are Christ followers to get to understand these principles? It's because believers are kingdom minded, and you are kingdom minded. And so when we get a hold of our money and we understand giving, we understand wealth in a better perspective, we can do incredible things for the kingdom of God. I believe that. Today's title, it is is Time to Multiply. And I really want to take two weeks, and I thought I was just going to do one, but as I came back and was working yesterday, there's more than I could fit in one message. Uh, But it's Time to Multiply, church. And multiplication in Scripture is seen throughout, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Uh, There are stories, there are examples. Uh, Right in Genesis, you know, God created all these things, and then he told man and woman to be fruitful and to multiply. Uh, We see an idea of seed time and harvest, which we're going to talk about next week in more detail, the idea that we sow and reap and what that means. Uh, Throughout the Old Testament, we saw, you know, the prophets uh, used by God in multiplication. One example is where the widow was running out. Uh, She was going to have to sell her sons. She ran to Elijah, and he said, look, grab, what do you have? The oil that she had was multiplied into the different jars until those jars ran out, and then she was able to live on that. Incredible story and then mamma was provided in the desert, lots of different things. Well, one story of multiplication really stands out to us in this season. We have been alluding to it in regards to our building project. And uh, by the way, our building project is moving forward. It's very exciting. We uh, reported last week that we've selected a builder and uh, we're moving forward with drawings and our staff has been working hard. And it's just an exciting time for us, even in the summer, uh, to be diligent and we'll continue to keep you updated as We have reports in that way, but I want you to know today's not about our building program, okay? Uh, Although God can do whatever he wants in your heart, right? When we're open, Uh, but the story that we've been alluding to is found in three places in Luke chapter 9, which I want you to turn there in your Bible to Luke chapter 9, Matthew 14, and then also Mark 6. It's the story of five loaves and two fish, And with our uh, Bible's turn to Luke chapter 9, I'm going to just ask that you would stand to honor God's word. We haven't done this in a few weeks, um, but let's look at this. This is an interesting passage, uh, some insights that you may not have realized that we're going to pull out. Um, but we're going to look at some principles of multiplication that are founded in these verses. Starting in verse 10, it says this, When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Just previous to that, Jesus anointed the twelve and sent them out to do signs and wonders and miracles. And uh, he sent them with nothing. Uh, but, so they're coming back, getting a report to Jesus. Then he took them with them and withdrew by themselves to the town called Bethsaida, because the crowds, uh, but the crowds learned about it and followed him. See, there were things happening uh, at that time, similar to the way God is working in our youth and in our children, and here at the Gateway Church, uh, Sunday in and Sunday out, the crowds would follow. There was a swelling of people, and Jesus, he didn't just shoo them away. He welcomed them. Look what it says. And he spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. Isn't that awesome? Then late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countrysides and find food and lodging because uh, we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy for uh, food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up to heaven. He, Jesus gave thanks. He broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples and set them before the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Let's pray. Lord, your word is so rich. God, I pray that in the next few moments, Lord, that you would just capture our hearts, capture our minds, Lord, that we would be focused on you. Lord, I pray that there would be revelation, knowledge, and just truth that is transferred, Lord, I pray that you'd use me as a mouthpiece. And Lord, I pray that the focus will be on you this morning more than ever. And God, I pray that as we will give time at the end to respond, I pray that we will have hungry hearts to respond to to you. Lord, we thank you for this. In Jesus' wonderful name and all God's people said, amen. 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 You can be seated. So a couple things in this story that I want to highlight. The first is that there are 12 disciples, right? And there were 12 baskets left over after the miracle happened. God is a God of increase, of multiplication, but he overdoes it at times. And he created 12 doggy bags, so to speak, for the disciples. The other thing is that we see this story and we think, oh, Jesus fed the 5,000. And we remember that story with that and five loaves and two fish. But what we read, or what when you study this story, is that, It's really 5,000 men, heads of households, and most likely, in fact, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, we see this, most likely that there were women and children uh, uh, along with them. Look at Matthew 14, verse 21, it says this, it says that uh, the number of those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Most scholars believe that this was the largest crowd that Jesus ever spoke to. And uh, they, the estimates are between 15,000 and 20,000 people all at one setting. Now, that is a huge crowd in my, in my eyes. Especially, you know, when you think of West Michigan or the Tri-Cities in particular, we're all together uh, in the, our Tri-Cities, you know, it's about that many people, maybe fifteen to 20,000 people. I want to modernize this, bring it kind of up to date. Let's pretend that we are gathering for worship on a Sunday morning at the Van Andel Arena in Grand Rapids. it's about the same. And we're singing, giving testimony, we're, uh, we're, there's healings going on, there's teaching, and not only one hour goes by, but two hours goes by. Put yourself in this story. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight hours go by late in the afternoon, close to the five o'clock hour. You've been sitting there for hours and hours. Women, children, the men were there. And in verse 12, it says, Late in the afternoon, the disciples Come to Jesus. Now, I don't know how this all went down, but in my mind, you know, I used to be in kids' ministry. I can kind of imagine, and maybe you can imagine with me. The disciples are, like, creeping up. They're kind of maybe, you know, talking in the side, you know, wondering, like, you know, somebody's got to say something. He's just going on and on and on, right? They pick a representative. He goes, and he's like, you know, excuse me, excuse me, everybody, just one second. You know, and then look what he says in verse 12. I love this. Verse 12, he says, he says, Look, uh, it's late in the afternoon, the twelve and they say this. They, they don't t- say, Hey, we're hungry. We're the disciples. We're hungry. They say, Look, the crowds, the people, right? Uh, uh, they're, we're going to need to send them away so they can go. the surrounding villages and countrysides and find food and lodging and they kind of focus on the people right at that point and uh and they're thinking look we're about to die here they've got to be in trouble but they say look the crowd is struggling in verse 13 Jesus says the most unimaginable thing look what it says Jesus doesn't say oh you're right we should wrap this up he says you give them something to eat Now, imagine 12 disciples in the middle of the Van Andel, seats full, and someone says, go ahead and feed everybody. What in the world do you think was going on in the minds of the disciples? They're thinking, this is crazy. Excuse me, did I mishear? They look around, they gather up, you know, they're like, hey, we've got five loaves, two fish. Let's tell Jesus that, that and certainly he'll dismiss them after that, right? <laughs> well, they go, verse 14, Jesus says, look, have them sit down in groups of 50 each. And the disciples did that, and everybody sat down. You know, I'm not sure if you've ever worked with people, but, you know, 20,000 people getting in groups of 50 If you're kind of orchestrating that, people are going to be wondering what's going on. The disciples, they're just saying, I don't know. This is what the master said. This is what Jesus said. Let's just do it. And by faith, they sit them down. And then Jesus does something in verse 16 that I'm not sure you've you've, uh, grasped. I didn't certainly grasp this fully until I've studied this a little more. But Jesus gives thanks. He breaks it. He divides the fish. And I've got a question, when did the miracle happen? When did the food multiply? Let's look at it. Let's read uh, verse 16 together, or not together, but let me read it. It says, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, he blessed it, and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. Did the miracle happen in Jesus' hands? Or in the disciples hands i want you to consider the possibility and we don't know for sure but many people would support this that the miracle of multiplication did not happen in jesus hands it happened in the disciples hands i can just imagine peter you know he's you know jesus just blessed the blessed the food he breaks the bread maybe in two And gives a section to Peter to hand out to fifty people. And maybe it's a section like this, and he's going and he's like, let's say it's just this section here. And he's going, he's like, you know, here you go, take a small portion, right? You know, I mean, just, you know, a little bit, just a nibble, right? And he's going along, and uh, I can just imagine the, the fish, the, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, he goes along, and all of a sudden, he's realizing that as he's giving it away, it's not disappearing. And there must have been some joy that came for the disciples as they saw this. I don't believe, as I've studied this more, I don't believe that that miracle happened instantaneously, I believe that it was progressive, that as they gave it away, piece by piece, little by little, they just did not run out. And then there were even leftovers. And what's interesting is if if you read uh, this... Uh, There's some principles of multiplication here. In fact, there are two that I want to highlight today. And then next week, we're going to kind of wrap up the whole series. And you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. But uh, there are two things. And the first one is this, is that when we talk about uh, multiplication, if we're going to multiply something, multiplication does not happen until it's blessed. It has to be blessed before it multiplies. Jesus took it. He gave thanks. He blessed it. And then it was multiplied. You say, well, how does this re- relate to our money? We've talked about it the last several weeks. How does God bless our finances? What? We honor God first. Every time we get an increase, there's a test who are you going to honor with your increase? And we're called to give the first portion. The first is sent to Jesus. In Hebrews 7, it talks about Jesus receiving our tithe, similar to how um, uh, the priest of Salem, Melchizedek, received the offering. Then the rest is redeemed. Remember we talked about this? That the 90% is redeemed. The the devourer is rebuked when we honor God with the first 10%. And I want to just... I just felt and as I was praying and just uh, this morning in my spirit, um, I, I think that today, uh, I just sense this in my spirit, that there are some families, at least one, maybe, maybe more, that today was the first time that you honored God with your tithe. And I just want to say you're on the right track. I want to just give you uh, kudos. I want to encourage you to continue to be faithful. And what's great about this, it doesn't make sense in the natural. There's a supernatural component to our giving, uh, to our returning the tithe, and God's ways work, and uh, we, we can take it to the bank. So the first thing, when it comes to multiplication, it has to be blessed before it's multiplied. The second thing that we see here is that it has to be given away before it is multiplied. And again, this does not make sense in our minds. If the disciples would have eaten the fish and the bread, it would have been just like any other meal. Five loaves, two fish, the Lord blessed it, which God had done on many occasions uh, together. If they would have eaten it there, it would have never been multiplied. It would have been blessed, but who never would have seen the increase. I was thinking about this. Is there are some people who have returned 10% to the Lord faithfully for years, but have never given above and beyond in a generous fashion like we talked last week. Remember, there were three levels of giving, tithes, then offerings, then painful offerings or extravagant offerings. See, the 90% is blessed, but if you spend it all and never give it away, God can't multiply, and so there's two principles. It has to be blessed before it multiplies. Then it has to be given away before it is multiplied as a well. As well, I believe God wants to work in our hearts today to bring some knowledge, and I hope that you're hungry to see this. I believe God wants to change uh, to our hearts to take us to a different place where we'll never be the same again. And again, it's about our hearts it's not about the money see we serve a god of multiplication it's a fact you can in fact i encourage you this week to spend some time we're going to look at it uh, a little further later but god all throughout scripture is multiplying goodness goodness in the book, The Blessed Life, Robert Morris, he shares his story. And I, I, we talked about Robert Morris. We watched the video uh, a couple weeks back, the um, Breaking the Spirit of Mammon. I encourage you to get the book, The Blessed Life. And in that, he chronicles his journey of giving. And some of you guys have picked that up and have read that. And uh, it's, it's an incredible. But God spoke to him three things. First of all, start tithing to get his finances in order. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But, and then God, he was an evangelist, traveling evangelist. God told him very clearly to stop manipulating people, which I you know really appreciate. And then he said, the Lord said to start giving and to give extravagantly. And God has taken them on a journey. And then you can read it in the book uh, where at this point uh, to date, they've given everything away two different times in their life their checking, their savings, all of their retirement, all their cars, and even their home, they gave away to the Lord. Two times. That's a burden that only a few people could bear, I'm sure. It's a fascinating story. You should read it. But it really challenged me to think about my giving or my family's giving journey as well. And uh, this, as I've shared before, it's an area that we've learned to excel in and I want to continue to grow in. And I've, I believe that God has great things for us. But I, I was challenged, I challenged myself to write down uh, part of my journey or part of our journey uh, over the last several years since we've been married, and on my birthday, July 9th, I'm in my office, and and I and I started them, and just started to chronicle some of these things, and and I'm like getting teary-eyed, just thinking how grateful I am for God's provision in my life, and then the staff busts in, the, and they're like knock knock knock, I'm studying. They come in with birthday gifts, and I'm like all oh, my eyes are all red. I'm like I'm sorry, I've just been having this experience with the Lord. Yesterday I was uh, finished up what I had started, and. And again, just overwhelmed with, and just grateful for God's blessings in my life. Um, I shared last night with my daughter and Jessica. Um, Logan's still out of town, but um, we went out to eat, and I shared the, kind of the story, and uh, it got kind of long, and, and I was asking for some wisdom on how much we, to share. And uh, and, uh, and I've shared parts of the of our story over the years, if you've been around. Um, But the journey really started for me when I was 16, uh, where I gave my first extravagant gift of $500, gave away to a family in need, and God multiplied that. And then as a newlywed couple, we gave away uh, a car before we moved away to Evangel, and God multiplied that. And I wish I had the time to tell that story, uh, but I I won't. Uh, And then uh, we were in a building program at our church. Back, uh, we were poor college students. Our our first year married. I think I've shared this. We we made combined income twelve thousand dollars. I mean, we were below poverty. It was it was pathetic. But God had put it on our heart to give, and God miraculously provided a way to do that. When I graduated, we graduated debt-free from Evangel, but the school owed us money, and it was the exact amount of what we had left to give to the church. and It was just a really incredible story. And then we started buying and selling cars uh, just to make ends meet instead of plumbing uh, so Jessica could stay home with Reagan. Uh, we, we did that, and in 2002, we began to give 50% of the income to missions, and God multiplied that, and I've shared that story as well. We tried to buy and sell here in Michigan. That all dried up. Really, God told us to focus on ministry, and He'll take care of us, but God continued to allow us to grow in our finances, and I put a hand on our finances, and there was increase, and I want to kind of fast forward to this last year, and there were lots of things that happened, I shared, but I want to focus, and I really believe... Uh, last year was a miracle year for my family. It was difficult, but very rewarding, and God's multiplying hand was upon our lives. And there were three things that God led us to do uh, in in a somewhat significant way, at least it was significant to us. And it was really the Lord's leading, and, uh, and we feel released to share that at this point um, and permission from Jessica, <laughs> and uh, and I'll tell you, it's not easy for us to share, uh, but I believe it has an opportunity to e- to encourage the body and want to want to do that. And uh, all throughout the series, want to remember, remember we're focusing on the Bible, uh, but there's something about testimony. And from the beginning of this series, when I said, "All right, I want to do this," um, I've been wrestling with what to share and how much to share because w- the last thing we want to do is for anybody to walk away misunderstanding our heart as we share some of our story but there is a power in testimony how many would agree there's something incredible about that and the reason we believe it can help people and god can use our story to help teach people how to give Uh, paul says in first corinthians to follow my example as i follow christ and as your shepherd, I feel like there's a mantle, uh, that's my, one of my life verses, uh, and I want to embrace that. And so as I share, I, I want the focus to be on the Lord and on His hands as we share some steps of faith of our journey. As you know, last year we pulled the trigger as a church to do some significant uh, uh, fundraising that we've never done in regards to building. And there were three things that the Lord prompted our family to do. And I don't think God is prompting uh, your family to do this necessarily uh, in any fashion. I don't, this doesn't, I, but it's just an example of how God can move on your heart. The first thing God did is that he prompted us to sell my car. And as I shared before, we, we would buy and sell cars, but our own personal cars, uh, we like to give those away when we were done. And so I kind of was confused. I was like, Lord... You know we we've had a pattern of this, and I don't understand this and uh, and besides that, we had not saved enough money in our minds for to replace the car with something that was equal or better and uh, and God very clearly said to sell it, and so the, we said, okay, we will sell it and give the give the uh, you know what we get to the building fund, and we were able to do that, and God sold it not only quickly, which was neat. But God provided, he multiplied some things in our lives. I was able to stumble on, and it's just, I can't tell the whole story because it takes too long, but I was able to find a car that was two years newer than what I had. It was a four-door instead of a two-door, which fit a family much better. 120,000 less miles. The nicest used car I've probably ever bought. God provided, and we had the cash to be able to do it. Uh, It was a miraculous story. God multiplied our heart's desire to give, and God brought it back to us. And we thank the Lord for that. I I took the car to Tennessee, Knoxville, for the missions trip a few weeks back. We we just drove it to to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Just a really nice car. God provided, and we're grateful for his multiplying hand in that. That was the first thing God called us to do. The second thing is we wanted to give above and beyond, and we weren't sure how to do this. And so we looked for some wisdom, uh, talked with our tax provider, or uh, tax uh, accountant, and, um, and we, were, we were looking for a way because we believe it's all God's. And we don't just say that, we really believe that, although we had never really considered giving from our retirement. We weren't sure how to do that, uh, but we figured out a way that you could give um, what you have put in uh, without penalties, you can't touch the interest without penalties. And we were able to do that. It took quite a bit of calculation. It had some help to do that. And so everything that we had given in our retirement for 18 years, which, by the way, was not very much. Uh, we That's something we've recently uh, been focusing on. Uh, but we were able last year to give every penny that we had given to retirement to the building fund. And it was... Quite fun to be able to do that, and I don't know how God will multiply that, or if He will. I mean, we could just be loss of that and loss of years of, uh, and I and that's okay with us. But then the third thing I want to share is that uh, the Lord prompted us beyond that to do something that was very very difficult. It was difficult for me when I first had the idea. Um, I was scared, and when I shared it with Jessica, I can assure you that she was. Uh, there was some uh, security questions that came, but we had you know, a fully funded emergency fund like Dave Ramsey talks about, and we felt like we wanted to go down to a minimum emergency fund and to give the rest to the building fund. And we didn't know what that was going to look like. We prayed about it. We asked the Lord for direction, and, and uh, we felt like okay. And we gave with no guarantee that God would provide it back to us. I want you to understand that God is not a genie in the bottle. I want you to uh, to be a, you know to understand that we understand that. But I want you to share something that within the next nine months, God provided in our family, and we it was a nine month commitment to give, but we decided to give it all at the beginning. Uh, and within that nine months, God replaced our emergency fund fully funded within that nine months. God multiplied it back to us. I can't understand it. I don't even know how it happened fully. Um, But God, he provided in miraculous ways in our lives. Some of you I know are asking, well, why are you sharing this? Boy, it seems awfully braggadocious. Again, it's the power of testimony. We are blessed. And I know that God has blessed my family. But we've learned to take God at his word. And by the way, as I shared a couple weeks ago, I still struggle with selfishness and, uh, in, in some big ways. I don't want this to be hype or any pride at all. I want you to see a heart that is grateful to the Lord for His hand on our lives. And I don't want you to see this as any kind of manipulation. We're not asking you to do anything today. I don't want to be misunderstood. Jessica and I, we share this humbly, but I do believe that our testimony is, has the potential, with God's help, to transform the way that we think. We have learned, Jessica and I have, to take God at his word. We've shared that with our kids, and we've uh, helped the, them along the way, and, and it's, it's a journey. The result for us is we're, we're living a blessed life. And I want every single person here to walk in these truths, to see God's multiplying hand on your finances. What would you do if God multiplied your finances? Just think about the possibilities. And by the way, it's more than just money. The blessings, these principles affect every area of your life. We've said this throughout the series. Our marriages will be stronger Our relationship with our kids will be stronger. Our work will be stronger. Our health will be stronger when we embrace these truths in our lives. But I believe, church, that it is time for us, personally and collectively, I believe it's time for us to multiply. I believe it's a new day a new chapter for the Gateway Church, a new chapter in your personal finances. But let's remember the principles from Luke 9 of multiplication, that it's blessed, it has to be blessed before it's multiplied. And with our money, it starts with 10%. And I want to just encourage you, plead with you to step out in faith, to test God, Sell something if you need to. Lower your standard of living and then begin to get control of your finances. We're providing a budgeting class, a financial peace university that will start in September. You need to sign up for that. There are people here, right here, right now, that you need that. And there will be mentors along the way that will walk with you to get control of your finances. Some of you don't know where your money is even going. The second thing, though, is that it has to be given before it will be multiplied. And we give as the Lord directs. We don't give cavalier. We give thought to when and where and how much. And I want to speak to couples. Uh, It's absolutely critical that you are in unity when you are giving. You don't step ahead if someone has reservation. You wait, even if you believe it's the Lord. And then you walk together in obedience. And if you're single, you can make those decisions quicker. Or if you're a young person, you can make those decisions on the spot. When I was 16 years old, when I heard about this family that needed some help, uh, I, I was working and I had got tips in my job. And I had a pile of ones and fives that was probably this tall. And I went through it and I was like, man, I grabbed $500 and I didn't even think about it. I drove to their house, put an envelope, knocked on their door and I ran because we should give our in secret and I, it's, a, it's an important principle. And I get that. And the Lord blessed that, but it's obedience. But I want to speak to your hearts. It's not about the money. And I believe that Jesus is asking us a question. Will you give me your life? Will you give me everything? And I don't believe that Jesus will ask everybody to sell everything like he did Robert Morris. And I'm not even saying that you need to follow our example exactly, but I do believe that we're all called to be givers. We're created in the image of God. He's the most generous of all. He's the chief giver. And I believe that it relates to salvation Saying, all right, we need to surrender our lives. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, today is the day of salvation. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But then also, there may be changes in your life that need to happen as you've been challenged. And you understand that, that you may be challenged that, hey, it's time to multiply in your life. There's a power of transformation. And we want to create an atmosphere uh, all throughout this series, but especially this morning an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can minister, where we can ask ourselves, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And that's where I want us to kind of turn our focus at this point. I want you to stand right where you are. The worship team is going to lead us in a song that we sang earlier, that the Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. And as you sing that, I want you to consider what the Holy Spirit may be saying In your life. And then I'll be back in just a moment to give some direction. Praise the Lord. This morning, we want to create space, like I said, for God to meet us. We kind of prepare our hearts to respond. And I'm just going to ask that you would respond as the Lord leads you. I encourage you to step out and to come forward, spend some time at the altar before you have to leave. But you don't have to do that. I understand that. But before you leave, will you, as we continue to worship, spend some time in the presence of God and ask God about the changes that may need to happen in your life? Kind of be curious about the challenge in regards to multiplication or generosity. You could go back to the basics and maybe the Lord's still dealing with your heart on giving uh, or returning that first 10%. Whatever the case might be, but we want to settle those things with the Lord. We want to give God time to pour over us in His Spirit. I believe that a new day has begun, as I've had opportunity to share and to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to anoint these words, I believe we'll come back to this moment. And many people here, including myself, will take another step in our giving as the Lord leads. And I just want to say, I believe that there are some here that the Lord, from last week's message, has been stirring. You can't get it off your mind on generosity. Doing an extravagant gift. And maybe—and I believe the next two weeks, I'm just going to challenge us to do something beyond what we've done before. Something that is beyond what's necessary or beyond what's expected. And the, the Lord, uh, He's leading some people to do that. I, I want to make, make that known. And that may not be for everybody, but this morning... What is the Holy Spirit? And are you willing to spend some time saying, all right, God, work in my heart. Work in my heart. I want you to put your hand on your heart, okay? Everyone here, repeat this after me, and then we're going to release, and uh, the altars will be open. I'm going to encourage you. We've still got several minutes before our, our service is typically over, but with your hand on your heart, say, dear Jesus, touch my heart. lead me and guide me me me. for your glory, for your your honor. honor. In Jesus' name, name. Amen. 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 However the Lord leads you, I want you to respond this morning. Maybe you join me at the altar or just worship where you are, but let's do that together. Amen.